Brought to you by Leading the Ring, which is not a sport to us, it's a lifestyle. Hey, don't forget, we're on every Monday night at 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Also, be sure to download the Pandora so you can catch up with the rotation of all the shows that are on the network. What's going on, folks? Uh, So I was seeing, I saw that uh, Julian J. Rock Williams, after losing to uh, Jason Rosario, the... uh, the banana attacker who just lost recently on his first pay-per-view against uh, one of the Charlo twins. Uh, well, J-Rock is returning and uh, he made the decision to drop his trainer who he's been with from the beginning, uh, Breadman, and uh, seek other trainers. And he found uh, Sugar Hill out of the Kronk Gym, which is the nephew to the great Emmanuel Stewart. Uh, who Emmanuel used to grace our radio show when he was alive. As we know that Emmanuel Stewart is just one of the legend, legendary trainers who's trained like Thomas the Hitman Hearns, uh, brought back the life to Lennox Lewis, and also to uh, Latimer Klisko. And his nephew, Sugar Hill, who helped out um, numerous fighters, including uh, Tyson Fury, who actually gave him the the plan to beat Deontay Wilder is the man that's going to be set to help out J-Rock Williams. And um, while I was reading that, <clears throat> I was wondering, and uh, and how I, I saw it on Boxing because one of my listeners, um, you know, I get a lot of emails and they sent me the article and they're like, what do you think, Dave? And I was like, listen, I'm gonna, I'll answer that, what I think. Uh, I have to allow it to process to see whether or not uh, just kind of evaluate whether it was a good move. Now, anytime a tra- anytime a fighter switches over to a trainer, no matter how good that trainer is, it all boils down to chemistry. Okay? Because, you know, a lot of times a fighter will leave a trainer that he's been with from the beginning for quite some time that, you know, they're kind of used to a regimen Uh, or a style, or they bring bad habits. And it's really up to the new trainer to break those habits. Or what he does is he allows that fighter to stick with those habits, but then adds a little extra stuff in there um, to better them. Okay. Now, the first thing that some folks were pointing out was you can't better a chin. And J-Rock, to a lot of folks, doesn't have a very good chin, which I'm not sure if I agree with that. You know, when Charlo knocked him out, it was from a punch he didn't see. Um, you know, Charlo is just a, he's a, he's a big 154-pounder. Um, and uh, let's not take away Williams was actually in the fight. It wasn't like a one-sided deal. Now, when you look at Jason Rosario, uh, I think what happened there was that Breadman and 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 J-Rock were thinking they could do exactly what they did to Jason Rosario, exactly what they did to, I'm sorry, to uh, Jared Hurd, to Jason Rosario. And I think that's where they made the mistake. You know, they felt like, look, I, you know, this worked. Jason Rosario is not, you know, Banana's not the same um, fight. He's, in other words, like, he's not in the fight fight category of one of the top five five guys 
So this style should work because he's not that good. He's not a boxer. He's vulnerable. He gets hit. Um, he's lost before. And I'm a far better superior fighter. That's I think that's my friend they went in. Okay. Now, if you if you've listened to like Breadman and J Rock, um, you know, honestly, I'll be honest, and I've said this numerous times, I've never been a fan of both of those guys. Okay. Um, and I think the reason why it would really turn me off about them was really the always speaking out about things that they haven't even done yet. Like they had their major criticism of fighters. And like they, they kind of like place themselves of making all these accomplishments without even reaching those goals. Okay. And that was like a major turnoff for me, you know, and then like fight fans um, always tend to be really thirsty. So if a fighter or a trainer responds back to them or ends up getting into a conversation with them through social media, they're automatically labeled a great trainer. And I was sitting there, I was like, well, then who's Breadman really? I mean, who is he trained? What has he done? Why are we giving these guys like certain labels? Freddie Roach is completely different. You want to call Freddie Roach a legendary trainer? You can because look at the roster of fighters he's trained and, you know, and, and guide them through championships. Nacho Bernstein, a great Mexican trainer. The late Emmanuel Stewart, a great Mexican trainer. You know, if they got on social media and they were criticizing fighters, I can, I can deal. I can accept that because these guys, they've seen it all. They've done it all. They've worked with different styles. But you had one guy, Redman, who would really speak about stuff that was like, well, what have you done? Same thing with his fighter. His fighter really obviously would piggyback off of what his trainer was saying, which is totally fine. You're going to back up what your trainer's saying. But, you know, I've always had an issue with that. And then when they went to 154 and they won against uh, Swift Hurd, again, it was right back to like, you know, we're the top, which you were, you were the top dog. But again, it was, you know, we did this, we did that. It was like, hold on here, guys. You haven't even defended your title yet. You haven't done that yet. Like you haven't even held on to it yet. You know, s- slow down a bit. So when Jason Rosario got in there, it was kind of bittersweet because it was like, it, you know, as much as I saw people going like, oh, you know, J-Rock is humble. I didn't honestly did not see that. Didn't even see it when he was asking other fighters to take uh, the, 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 the PD test because in reality, he was asking for this for like a three weeks, three months uh, uh, deal out, if that was it, uh, which is not enough because you know what? If you're gonna um, if you're gonna parade parade around doing uh, testing, it should be all year round. Which Canelo, excuse me, at the time did the 365 days. So I thought, which actually I got into it with J Rock on social media uh, because I pointed that out. I was like, well, you know what? Put your money where your mouth is. Don't don't ask for three months because we know off peak. It's really where guys are uh, dopey. It's not on peak. It's not when they're in training camp. That's not when they're dopey. So if you're going to lead this this parade of of clean sport, then then lead all the way. Get your get both feet in the water. So when he went out there and he lost to 
Jason Rosario, which was honestly was a horrific beatdown because it wasn't a KO uh, like the way Charlo was able to land that uppercut against him. This was actually a systematic beatdown. The way Antonio Margarito had slowly beat down uh, Miguel Cotto, uh, the way Andy Ruiz slowly beat down Anthony Joshua, um, even in the sense of the way Tyson Fury slowly beat down Deontay Wilder to get that win. But what J Rocky was different, it was a lot of, I mean, he was being pushed back. He was getting hit a lot to this, to the point where you're like, you got concerned for him because those type of beatdowns, it's very difficult for a fighter to get back. And not even that physically, they're not, they're not the same. So was this a good mood for him, good move for him to jump over to go to go with Sugar Hill to see whether or not he can uh, pick up the broken pieces and try to put him back and maybe possibly make him a better fighter? I think it is a good idea. But I go back again with the chemistry. Just because you go on a fighter that has success, I mean, a trainer that has success, because, I mean, if you go off of what Sugar Hill has done, uh, Adonis Stevenson, he helped out. Adonis Stevenson find the right hand. Adonis Stevenson was this raw talent, uh, wasn't this clean boxer, but really honestly shaped him into a much better fighter than we had seen previous. And then the same thing goes with, you know, uh, you know Andy Ruiz, I mean, not, I'm sorry, Andy Lee and uh, Sugar Hill obviously studied the game of what Deontay Wilder does wrong. And they gave that plan to Tyson Fury, and we saw the results from that. So this really goes off of what Williams wants to do. I mean, if he's going in there looking for sparring, which is a great place to go to, is the Croc Gym. Um, you know, you're going to definitely find plenty of sparring in that gym. It's a legendary gym. Uh, you know, it's like if, if J-Rock made the decision to go to Southern California. You know how many gyms are out there to find good sparring? Maywood, that second gym is closed, but that was another good gym at the time. You know, Wild Card. Those are, those are I mean, you could find a lot of places there to find hungry fighters that want to test you. They're going to test you. You know, and Sugar Hill obviously has, was well taught by his, his late uncle, Emmanuel Stewart, into looking at the philosophies of, of training and, and, and no, getting to know your fighter, their weaknesses, their strengths. So this could really help out J-Rock, but it falls on the fighter, really not on the trainer. It really doesn't. Because a trainer can have one good fighter, and I'll give you a perfect example, okay? Uh, Andre Ward you know, had a very successful career, okay? Won the gold, went into the pros, and he retired undefeated. And only time you really saw him in trouble was when he got in with uh, Sergey Kovala, the crusher. He got dropped early, and uh, he had a, you know, switch his game plan and turn it into a different fight in order to get the win, right? 
his trainer was Virgil Hunter, who, had, who he had been with for since he was a, a child. His dad had brought Andre Ward to Virgil Hunter in Oakland, California at the Kings Gym. And uh, they had this chemistry. But really, there was the, the fundamentals of, and, and the intelligence that Andre Ward had. Because as smart as Virgil Hunter is, and I've, I've spoken to Virgil plenty of times. I've had uh, personal conversations with him one-on-one um, at fights, at this gym. Um, you know, uh, he used to come on even a ring. We used to do a round table. I mean, Virgil has an eye to see certain things. You know? But when you saw him start training other guys, you saw that the, that he couldn't really duplicate what he would do, what he did with Andre Ward. So that's my concern. Anytime a fighter leaves a longtime trainer and goes to a new trainer, are they willing or could they shake off bad habits? And are they willing to understand that maybe the first comeback fight or two two fights with that? They're not gonna, you know, they're you're gonna end up seeing maybe not the same guy like Hurd. When Hurd came back with his new trainer, it wasn't the greatest style. It wasn't Hurd, the Hurd that we saw before coming forward. We saw a guy that was kind of like trying to be somebody he's really not. Okay. I see somebody's on here, so let me uh bring him on. Uh, Howard, what's up, brother? How you doing, man? I'm good, sir. How are you, man? Doing good, bro. Just uh sitting here. And uh, talking boxing, man. What's on your mind? What did I do? I need you to teach me who J-Rock is because I'm new to the game. Julian J-Rock Williams is a 154-pounder. Um, okay. He's a really good fighter. I mean, How tall I, is he? Oh, I think he's about 5'10". Okay. You know, um, he's, got, he's got good – you know, he's got really good fundamentals. You know, and I don't want to take nothing away from him because – I know a lot of fight fans have kind of written him off already and they're like already kind of questioning his chin. But I think the kid has a solid chin. I honestly think what his downfall was is that him and his trainer would really honestly speaking out of terms like like as if they had accomplished everything in the fight game without actually doing anything. Right. Talking too game. early. Yeah, way too early. And and to me that always kind of like it's a red flag, you know, because I'm like you know, guys. I mean, uh, you got to do things in the ring in order to have this, to, to in order to have this trumpet. You know, and right. uh, and and that, that that think that's why a lot of fight fans, even myself, were really turned off by by that. You know, and um, has your opinion changed on him? Well, it, it's not going to change until I see him get back into the ring. Okay, I got to. So you're return. expecting him to come back, but you don't think he's going to be as good as he used to be. I can't say that. It's impossible to say that, you know? I think that okay. we all have to sit back and wait. We, mean, we can speculate, but I think that we have to sit back and see what Sugar Hill can do with them. And like I said, Sugar Hill is a pro, he's the nephew of the great Emmanuel Stewart, and Sugar Hill is a student to the game, and we've seen what he's done with his fighters and what he's accomplished, you know? Right. But, I, but I always go back with the chemistry. You know, just because you get a great trainer – doesn't mean that that chemistry is going to work, you know, um, oh. because when you're when you're used to one guy, which J-Rock has been with his trainer, Breadman, for years. Your trainer was named what? Breadman? Yeah, that's his nickname. 
That's a, I'm learning from you everything, so that's interesting. <laughs> that's a good nickname, Breadman. Yeah, and Breadman's intelligent. Don't get me wrong; he's a really smart guy. He knows what he's talking about. But we haven't sent, we haven't yet seen him implicate that in the in the actual where it really counts in the action. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? You know, and uh, we give him kudos because he's a trainer. He he can now say, "Hey, I had a unified 154 champion in Julian Rock," uh, but his at his first title offense, he lost, and he lost. It was a brutal loss, you know. Um, yeah. And like I said, I go back and I wonder because of the fact that I've spoken to so many fighters, and a lot of them will say, "Well, you know what happens is, is I'm I, I'm I'm listening to this new trainer, but at the same time, I'm missing what the old guy, the old person, used to tell me, you know." And that's a conflict. So I'm curious to see how disciplined and how humble J Rock is going to be going to the Kronk gym and, and really basically starting from, from, from scraps. Like so he's, he's going to be the new guy walking in the gym. He's not going to be the it factor. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So, so who, like, I'm wondering like, what, what are the, who are the names that I should care about right now in boxing? Who should I be spending my time learning about? I think anything, you know, Errol Spence is back. I think that's, he's a, you know, he looked a hundred percent. He looked phenomenal. Um, he handled Danny Garcia uh, with a very dominant, dominant win. I think definitely got to keep an eye on him. You got to keep an eye on Virgil Ortiz, who's also in the, excuse me, in the welterweight division. Um, you know, Terrence Crawford, you can't, you know, I, I, I'm hoping he gets a big fight. I'm hoping he gets a big fight, you know, but you can't write him off. You can't look away at what he's done. Um, Man, and there's so many folks you could really keep an eye out in in boxing, you know. But off the top I kinda, of my head, I kind of like, yeah, uh-huh. those I I kind of like Errol Spence. I really like Errol Spence, you know. And I was talking to to uh, a good friend of mine about him, and uh, you know, the way I describe describe Errol Spence is that, I mean, he's really if you look at all the fighters I mentioned, honestly, I think Errol Spence is the only one where I could truly say. He's so comfortable and fluid in the ring. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And that's a hard, you know what? In boxing, that is one of the most difficult things to do where you're, you're able to see everything. We don't go over, you don't get over anxious. Uh, where you don't get uncomfortable even when you're getting hit. And right. You can stay focused. And that kid just has it all. Where does that come from? Where does he get that from? Man. You know, I don't know. It's like asking, it's like asking Michael, uh, Michael Jordan, where do you get that from? You know, he can't even explain it. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, sure. you're either got it or you just don't, you know, you're either gifted with it or, you, or you're not. Yeah, that's so real. You know, I, I didn't see you on locker room the night of the Jake Paul. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that whole thing. What's your what's your opinion of that? You're you're kind of like the boxing expert on locker room. So what do you think of that? You know, I mean, I I respect I respect Jake Paul because I, he's learning the sweet science. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nate Robinson obviously went out there trying to make it into a tough man competition. Right. But I give every man respect to get in the ring because it's a tough deal to do. It's not the easy. You don't play boxing. Is what we've always said, you know. Uh, yeah. I remember going when I was when I used to fight and training my kids, uh, and then kids used to come over that played basketball and football, and they just thought like, "Well, I'll come over here," you know. I, you know, I, I, I sprint, I do all this stuff, and I would tell, 
my old trainer used to say, tell these kids, like, you know, it takes one ball to play football. It takes one ball to play basketball. It takes Uh-oh. one ball to play ba- baseball. But it takes two balls to box. To box. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So yeah. with seeing this Jake Paul, I saw that, you know, he's actually learning and, and he's actually doing well. I mean, um, I'm sitting there, was watching with my son because my youngest wanted to watch it. And, uh, and I told my kid, I go, I can see that Jake Paul's trying to create distance. Now, if he could do that, he could land something big. And he did it in the second round. That's exactly yes. what he did. But if he so really wants the- to, honestly, if he really wants to get box, hardcore boxing fans like myself uh, interested and in, and in to take him serious, he's got to step it up. And I yeah. said this on my podcast, which was, "Hey, you want you want to turn heads? Fight Badu Jack, who was on the undercard yeah. as well." Yes. Yeah. So, so my question is like, why? What was wrong with Nate Robinson? It seems like nobody even taught Nate Robinson what to do at all. You know, it's hard to teach a guy how to have footwork. It ta- it's hard to teach him how to uh, calculate distance. It's hard to teach a guy to, to throw a jab and follow through with a right hand in only what? I don't know how long they had a training camp. I mean, even three months, even if you gave a guy six months, it's difficult because in sparring, a guy normally is going at you 60, 80 percent. But in the right. fight, you know, where you have no headgear, you have nothing there to protect you. Uh, it completely changes. Mike Tyson used to say all the time, you know, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Yeah. Yeah, it's just confusing because, like, I hear what you're saying, but it seems like Nate Robinson didn't understand some fundamentals. Like, I'm no boxing expert by any means, right. but even mm-hmm. I know if you're fighting a guy taller than you, you got you to gotta reduce distance. Like, that's your only chance. And it seemed like Nate was, like, almost, like, embracing creating space as if he was going to land some big punch. And I was like, dude, you're like putting yourself out of distance for yourself and in distance for him. Right. I think what Nate Robinson and his team probably thought was smother Jake because he is the taller, bigger guy, tire him out. uh, And then you'll have your way with him. But they did it all wrong. Um, His feet were never underneath him. He was falling into his punches and yeah. honestly, he didn't settle down. And that's one thing that, like I said, it's very difficult to do in the ring because when your adrenaline kicks in, it kicks in. You got to learn how to control it. You know, right. uh, you can't fight with emotions. In boxing, it's just it's, it's never worked. Right. Where are you based, by the way? Where do you live? I live over here in Northern California. Northern, by, okay. Yeah, I'm over here by almost close to Sacramento. I'm about an hour away from Sacramento and an hour away from the Bay. I grew up in the Bay Area, but... I live here what, in the Valley now. What town? Vacaville? No, I live in uh, Riverbank. It's right next door to Modesto, California. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm wondering. I, w- I think I want to get in the ring. Go for it, man. I tell you what, it's addicting. <laughs> yeah. You know, it I is trained- one of the most addictive things to do, man. Once you try it, you know what I mean? So you don't look, it's going to really tell you who you are. I've always said this about boxing. Boxing is, uh, once you step in the ring, it's a lie detector. Either, okay. either you're that person that you think you are or you're not. Okay. You know? I hear you. You know, and, I, tr- uh, I tried, uh, I was going to say, I, I did train a couple times for like, I trained for like two weeks with this guy here in LA. He was, uh, you know, his kids, he, he was a boxer. 
He trained his kids to be boxers. Ultimately, one of his kids went on to play football instead. But I trained with them down here. And I was like, I definitely was enjoying it. But my thing is, I like to compete. And the problem with boxing training is you do a lot of training before you ever get to compete. Yeah. I mean, look, boxing is a very lonely sport. Um, it's, it's, it's repetitive. You're yeah. going to do repetitive things. And uh, it's, 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 I would honestly, I would say it's one of the hardest sport, sports to stay focused because you are on 80% of the time you're by yourself. You're running, uh, you get in the gym, your trainer can tell you. That's if your trainer's not working. If your trainer's not working with, you know, five, ten other guys, uh, more than likely you're you're working on the bag. You know, it's really rare to see a one-on-one situation um, until you're like in the pros and, and a trainer can is getting paid to dedicate those hours and times and months with you. But a lot of times when you go in there, you're you're by yourself, you know. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, I always, I've always said this to kids uh, when I used to help train, and I've trained both my sons, uh, but I used to tell kids all the time, watch a lot of fight tape, you know, because, yeah, practice makes, makes perfect, but if you're practicing, practicing it wrong, it's going to cost you where it's going to, you know, where, where it's going to count in the, in the ring, you know. Um, right. So watch a lot of tapes, you know, and then find who you are slowly, you know, slowly, like when you spar. Don't do things that you're good at. Do things that you're bad at. So you'll learn what to do with it and how to correct it. And you'll get comfortable when you get in that position from the yeah, other guy. And that's how, right. And that's how you learn how to like uh, get familiar with that, with that ring, you know? Right. Right. No, that that's super helpful feedback. And I'll take that to the ring the next time I go. Um, wow. You got me so curious now. So, Am I crazy for thinking that Floyd May- Mayweather is going to dead Jake Paul? No, I think he is. And if he does it, I mean, I think that would be the biggest embar- embarrassment for me. I mean, for, you know, for, I mean, it's already embarrassing for his legacy. Go take it on this kid. But if you don't take him out, I think that's a big, big deal for even for the hardest core uh, Floyd Mayweather fan. Like you think if they go 12 rounds, like if they go any rounds, it's a failure, right? No, I don't take it as a failure because, you know, a, a good boxer is always going to fill out to see what the other guy does. You know, a good boxer has to read you, you know, yeah. um, because, you know, a one punch can change everything. And Floyd is not dumb enough to go out there and just jump all over this kid. Um, he didn't do it with Conor McGregor. He didn't do it with the Japanese kid in their exhibition. Um, yeah. He's never done that. That's not his style. You know, yeah. um, his style is to read what you're going to do, uh, do the feints do very traditional old school uh, tricks, you know, right. and then he's going to, he's going to capitalize on, on your mistakes. You know, uh, it's really up to this kid, Logan, which he would have to like summon 20, 30 years of boxing into, into him for that one night, which is impossible. impossible. <laughs> yeah. It's impossible. Do you, you know? think he'll, do, is he going to be better or worse than Conor McGregor? Like he'll who's be- who whose skill set is better for this situation? Conor McGregor. I mean, is Conor McGregor's a, a combat athlete? This kid. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what did he? I mean, he wrestled in high school. Maybe I don't know. Played football in high school. I mean, uh, you know, being an athlete, but being an, being an athlete in other sports uh, is completely different than being an athlete in combat sports. Two balls. Yeah. That's Two it. Two balls. Wow. 
This is so interesting. What do you, and the next thing I kind of want to ask you, by the way, I appreciate you asking, answering these questions. This is a fun. No worries. What are your thoughts on the, on the whole, uh, these celebrity fights? Like, are you good with this? Is this good for boxing? I'm, I don't have a problem with it. And I don't think really, honestly, any hardcore boxing fan has a problem with it because it's not part of boxing. It's separate. It's exactly what you said. It's a celebrity match. You know, right. uh, when I hear people say it hurts boxing, I'm like, well, have you followed boxing? You know, I mean, nothing could really hurt boxing. If that was the case, the UFC, 10, 20 years back when they were claiming that they were going to take out boxing, it was going to swallow it, boxing was on its way out, on its way out. guess what? We're still here. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. So I don't think anything hurts the sport because boxing does perfectly fine in kicking itself in the balls. Right. Yeah, really. What is going on? with Like, why is it such a mess? I think it's such a mess because it was born a mess. You know, it's just like, it's just like, you know, if you were born into poverty and, and you get a shitload of money while you're still living in poverty, what's the first thing that a person that in that position they go do? They go spend it on all kinds of extravagant bullshit, right? They don't even think right. about the future. They think about the moment. Boxing never thinks about the future. Boxing thinks about the moment. Right. That's right. That makes moment. sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's a shame that, like, Tyson, the Tyson fight, that was, like, one of the biggest fights in a long time. Well, it tells you that two very well-known legends, they're still able to draw uh, because of the work they put in. I mean, look. Errol Spence and all these other guys, they are not able to pull in the numbers yet because they haven't put in the work. These yeah. guys have, you know? So it's to me, again, it's like apples and oranges, you know? I mean, I didn't really care for the fight because I, I, I knew what, I, what it was going to deliver. Um, so what did, like, what did it deliver in your mind? It delivered exactly what we got. Two old guys. Um, two old guys that were going to show us some little glimpse uh, of who they used to be. Um, we are going to have a like a, a dramatic ending. Uh, we were going to have a safe ending, and and, and, and yeah. that's what we end up getting. You know, I, I I pretty much understood that. I mean, you know, these are guys who are not trying to prove themselves anymore. That's not right. that's not why they came back. They weren't trying to prove who was the best. You know, where these young younger cats, this is what that's their job. They're out there to show, hey, I'm the best right now in the world. So you're, yeah. it's a different outcome. You're going to get a different outcome from those guys than you would from two legends. That's so interesting. Yeah, because I was hoping for a knockout. But then after the first round happened, I was like, wait, why? There's not going to be a knockout. Like, that's not going to happen. No, it's not. It wasn't going to happen for a number of reasons. One was, I mean, even if when you wa started watching that fight, you noticed Mike didn't punch through his opponent. He just punched. OK, when you're when you're training and you start boxing, a trainer always tells you punch through your opponent, meaning like put it all your weight. Go right through it when you're hitting the head. You gotta, back, right. Like turn Mike your turn your hip, hip through it. Turn your yeah. hip and your toe. Exactly. And and Mike wasn't doing it. And another reason, too, because I was like, because my son was like, you don't think Mike? I go, oh, I know Mike can knock him out because, you know, Roy Jones chin is just. It's not there. You know what I mean? A strong wind would knock the guy out nowadays, you know? But yeah. I said, you know, look at Mike's temperament now. He's in a good place in his life. Yeah, he's like a nice, like, soft guy. 
yeah, man, he smokes out. You know, he has a good time. He laughs. He gets very emotional when he starts talking on his podcast. He's a different dude. You know, the old Mike, if it, if Mike was still angry, I would have said, yeah, he's going to knock this dude out. But I knew that was like, no, this is a teddy bear, Iron Mike Tyson. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's so funny. <laughs> I was, I was, you're right. I mean, I can tell he's like so zen. He's almost too zen to be in a boxing ring. You know, though, here's a one thing that I don't know if everybody, anybody's ever pointed this out, but I honestly, it melts my heart. My heart gets full seeing Iron Mike Tyson, who's been through a lot, uh, you know, went to prison, uh, you know, came out of poverty, all of this to see this as a good, happy ending to where he's at. Because in all honesty, in boxing, you know, uh, it's known uh, there's really not a good, happy ending. Look at Hector Camacho Sr. He died in Puerto Rico, was gunned down. Uh, sitting in his car, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, these legends don't don't end up leaving uh, with money in their pocket. You know, uh, Jack Johnson, Joe Lewis, yeah. you know, Rocky Marciano, all these great, great, great heavyweights, you know, they don't Rem normally walk away with remind a good chunk me, of change. Remind you know? me who, who killed Hector Camacho and why? Hector Camacho was a, a great lightweight that moved up. Uh, to welterweight, he fought all the greats, man, from Julio Cesar Chavez to De La Hoya, Trinidad, uh, Gray Haugen. They just had a great uh, documentary about him this past Friday. If you get a chance, check it out. It's on Showtime. And uh, just a phenomenal, phenomenal fighter, man. I mean, hand speed, elusive. But his biggest problem is he had a demon on his shoulder, which was cocaine. Just couldn't break away from it. I see. I see. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. If you get a chance, check them out. I'm hoping that Showtime does a, a documentary like on Pernell Whitaker. That's another great champion, you know, but um, did, he, did he have demons too? Yeah. Same thing. You know, uh, you know, a lot of the 80 fighters had that cocaine habit, man. They loved it. They loved it. You know, they wow. Loved it, Co man. Cocaine. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Yeah, it is, brother. <laughs> yeah, it is, man. <laughs> I, well, as hey, Howard, would man, say. It was great talking to you, brother. I got to get yeah. going here, man. Um, but yeah, definitely. Uh, when I'm back on, join me, bro. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Always glad to hear from you. All right, bro. Thank you. Peace. So anyways, guys, going back really quick, uh, just a quick reminder, we're on every Monday night at 5 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. Eastern time on YouTube. So if you go to the Leave It a Ring uh, channel, uh, you can find us there. You can always follow me on Twitter. You can always find me on Instagram. Um, and I'll try to get back on uh, Locker Room as much as I can. Again, guys, thanks for joining me.